Blog Talk Radio. international audience, but we're certainly in the U.S. starting this week in the spirit of gratitude, and I must say that's the way to start every week, every day, every moment as much as we can, and today I am very thankful to be bringing on the line in just a moment a wonderful returning guest who hasn't been with us in a little while, so I know that you're really going to enjoy um, reacquainting yourself with the work of Catherine G. Lucas. And today we are going to talk about what is a very vital topic worldwide because it's impacting many, many people. And what we are going to discuss is how to heal from the trauma of a mental health crisis. And Catherine has a new book out that was just released called Coping with a Mental Health Crisis. And the power of Catherine's approach not only combines her own personal journey, but also her many years working in the mental health community. She is the founder of the Spiritual Crisis Network in the United Kingdom. She is a respected international speaker on what we will talk about as psycho-spiritual crisis. Those of you who have not heard of this, we will be discussing this, but we will be discussing really what a mental health crisis is in general and how we can heal at the deep levels of the psyche and the soul because this impacts so many people and how we can come to a greater understanding in a holistic way, in a balanced way as to what is actually happening and how to assist friends and families who are supporting someone who is in need of healing. So, um, Catherine, um, I, I I think I said, maybe I didn't, she is also the author of, I'll repeat it if I didn't, In Case of Spiritual Emergency, which is a book that we have explored on this program before. And she continues to be collaborating with many in the field, and she's really making a true difference in this world. And her website is up on the show page. I invite you to go there. And I do want to say right at the outset of this episode, even though this is also up on the show page, it's not the intent of this show to provide medical advice. And the content here is provided for informational purposes. So without further delay, I am just so delighted to bring Catherine Lucas back onto the show. Welcome, Catherine. Welcome back. Thank you, Susan, and thank you for such a lovely, warm welcome. It's it's really good to be back. Oh, well, I am just so happy to have you back here, Catherine. And, and that word vital that I used right at the outset, I mean, it really is so very important because not only is this a vital topic, it has everything to do with vitality how can we move forward as a society and awaken in a balanced way? And 
And Catherine, maybe the the best place to start all of this is where it all began, because I know that you have had a very powerful journey of your own, and that's what launched all of this work. So perhaps we will start there, especially for those who didn't hear the first show that we did, and it's been some time. I think we've done a couple shows, but it's been a while. So, so let's start there, Catherine, with your own journey. Yes, thank you, Susan. Um well, and in fact, yes, it, this is the third, my third time on your yes, show. Yes, I think so. Um, yes. Yeah. So, um, well, um, it all started, I guess. I guess it all started when I was 20. And I ended up in hospital on a psychiatric ward. And, you know, that is, in a sense, you know, that so many, so many people, thousands and thousands of people uh, have that same experience. That's not really different from, from many other people. I think, I think where it unfolds slightly different, differently for me is, is the kind of path, you know, the direction that things unfolded in, in that, you know, when I was 20, uh, I had no idea uh, about the transpersonal, about the spiritual I don't think I'd even heard the word uh, at that age. Uh, I came from a very secular family, and and I guess to put to put uh, things in the context, I came from quite a, a wounded uh, family. Uh, my father was an alcoholic, and when I ended up in hospital, it was at the time that my parents were actually going through divorce. Uh, so so there was a lot happening at uh, at that level. But but where things I think you know where I think it's interesting for listeners to to hear my story really is sort of what then happened subsequently, kind of twenty years later, um, because I ended up in crisis again, but with a completely different outcome, and 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 that's kind of this is this is part of my my kind of exploration and my journey has been. Well, you know, why? Why with that first crisis did I end up in, in hospital for a month, losing a year of my life? Uh, you know, and subsequently, when I ended up in crisis all those years later, I was actually able to move through it uh, with a very positive outcome with, you know, what I can only describe as, as kind of healing and, and growth, and and what really made the difference for me w- was that in those 20 years i had embarked upon my own journey of of personal and spiritual development and so i had discovered meditation uh when my my husband my first husband and i split up and that was a kind of mini crisis uh, and at that point, with the pressure that I was feeling at work, the stress I was under, I didn't want to end up in hospital again. And so I learned to meditate. And mm-hmm. and that was just the beginning of, 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 yeah, of a whole new journey. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more that I could fill in. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that's the important thing, really, is is, is that the, once I had a spiritual framework to understand what was happening to me, and I had people supporting me w- who also shared that spiritual framework, then the outcome of my crisis was completely different. Yes. So that's yes. kind of in a nutshell. Yes, and I feel that that's really important, Catherine, because um, I, I think we are finding that that many of us, during spiritual awakening when not fully supported in in a in a way that that people need to be supported it can it can really lead to even dangerous situations and something that i feel that that your book points out is that there there really is a difference between um, this notion of validating someone and seeing the whole human being in front of you as opposed to um, pathologizing and, and marginalizing. I think I would use that word. I, I'm choosing that word as, as marginalizing um, because it's not, there, there can be a, it not addressing the full situation or the full person. Mm, mm, mm. And it, in, in fact, I mean, 
you know, what, what we mean when we talk about pathologizing, we mean kind of, in, you know, we're talking about kind of sticking a label on somebody and saying, you know, you've got this diagnosis, you know, um, whether it's something like bipolar or, you know, schizophrenia. Um, and so that the pathologizing is kind of pinning a label on somebody, putting them in a box without um, without uh, a kind of fuller, deeper kind of exploration of what's really going on for that person, you know, what's what's underneath. And there's, there's a whole move now, it's a really exciting development in the mental health field to actually start asking people, you know, what their story is. What, you know, yeah. what happened to you? What's your story? And so and so really starting to acknowledge that, that there's a person beyond the symptoms. Um, and actually, you know, and, and that's, this is another whole conversation really is, is that I actually unpack some of the symptoms and, and, and look at them from a different perspective and say, you know, this is, this is what psychiatry considers uh, a, a sim, you know, whatever symptom. And this is actually, you know, a different perspective, the transpersonal spiritual perspective on that particular symptom. So, yeah. so certainly, you know, we want, we want to be able to validate we want to be able to we we want to be able to give people a, a positive message this is what made such a difference to me was when i ended up um in crisis later in life i had people around me who who took the view that that this was a, an opportunity that this was uh-huh. a it was a healing crisis it was intense it was um really painful and terrifying and yet at the same time that the validating message i got was it's okay you can come through this and yeah. and that's kind of what we mean by validating rather than pathologizing and sticking a label on on a person yes yes you know what i find interesting there's a part in your book Catherine, where you say um, something like we 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 hear about people who who you know continually have problems within the system as, as one might call it, and yet we don't tend to hear about the success stories because they leave the system, and even the people who were assisting those people never hear that oh this person went on to lead a productive life and did not have problems the rest of their lives, and it turned out you know. Maybe what we come to understand about oh this is like diabetes or some physical thing your your um, book really explores that as well how there are a lot of fallacies that have been placed out there and an emphasis on just medicalizing things when there is debate within the field over that and always has been and that mm. um, there's much more to it than that. That's a very complex question, but it's such a rich topic. I think that, that I'm merging a lot of ideas together because it's it's vitally important to do the best thing for people, and, and what we're told is the best is not necessarily the best. Mm-hmm. I think you, t- you touched on several things there, Susan. I mean, I well, one is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, one is that... Um, you know, uh, you know, some of your listeners um, may be familiar with the work of, of uh, Robert Whitaker and, and the website Mad in America um, in, in the States. And in the UK, we have uh, the British equivalent, a guy called James Davies, um, who's doing some excellent work. And they're really helping us to, to basically uh, explode some of the myths in psychiatry, you know, some of some of the things that we've all been led to believe, which which actually, um, you know, there's there's really good research showing just showing um, these uh, some of these fallacies, some of these myths. So that's that that that's one one bit. I'm just trying to remember the other. What what else you touched on there, Susan? Um, 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 you know, now I'm forgetting. <laughs> yeah. Just how, 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 here, here is what I feel is at the core of it. And when I read your book, and we will certainly get into the steps here, but at the outset, um, how your book, book strikes me, and, you know, my, my audience, by the way, knows that I had a powerful spiritual emergence some years ago. I have talked about this. I haven't talked about all the details of it, but I will say this. I personally know how people can be harmed by the kinds of lack of understanding of these kinds of things. On the other hand, I also know, and I said it in a recent show 
um, with, um, oh, trying to think who was it? Barbara Hanclaw. We were talking about Kundalini Awakening, how how there are some very, it's really important to to be grounded. That some, it's nothing to toy with. So in any case, what I want to say, this is getting very complex, is how do we assist people when they need assistance in a balanced way and recognize what's truly going on with the person? Because I think that we're seeing that the system right now is really in crisis. You say that in your book, that 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 we think that this system is robust and that it has this way of dealing with people, and yet what it's really doing um, is is it it has a lot of issues right now. So, yeah, so yeah. how how I, what does transpersonal psychology bring to us? What what does that bring to the table? Why don't we why don't we focus it there? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good, good point because actually the whole book really is is based on on transpersonal ideas, and so it's, it's good to just explain briefly um, for for those who aren't familiar with transpersonal psychology. Transpersonal psychology is is a whole branch of of the field uh, of psychology that that basically draws on ancient um, kind of wisdom, ancient uh, spiritual teachings and brings that together with modern-day psychological research. So it's, yeah, it's kind of it's bringing those two elements together. Transpersonal uh, in the sense of trans meaning beyond the personal. So this is about uh, the bigger picture. It's about the, you know, what connects us all uh, at, a, at a higher level, if you like. Um and and it's you know it, it it offers us you see when when we're in crisis some of the questions that come up for us are definitely questions about the bigger picture you know what what is the meaning of my life you know what what's the point of my life um you, you know these kind of really deep soul searching um questions which are essentially spiritual questions really and so we need we kind of need a, a bigger container we need the bigger picture to help us uh to help us ex- explore this uh at the kind of level you know um of psyche and and soul and transpersonal yeah. psychology actually comes from the roots of it come from kind of like sort of early early 20th century um um you know people like uh jung and um James but then it really it really came into its own and be kind of became a, a recognized field uh in the 60s in the 1960s and that was kind of with with people like uh, Maslow and uh Stanislav Grof who who you know Stanislav Grof has done a huge amount of work uh in terms of kind of really really helping us to understand this whole complex relationship between uh, mental health and uh, a way, spiritual awakening. So that's that's just very briefly, um, you know, transpersonal psychology. But you know, it, it helps us to 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 see to 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 work with this at the at the level of psyche and soul, rather than just in terms of labels and symptoms and and diagnoses. Yes. What what do you say? Um, you know, when when people have been told that you know this is this is like diabetes, it's totally physical. Um, and what? How do we get away from isolating the physical, which seems to be the the tendency, to to the whole mind, body, spirit connection? And Catherine, do you see um, more and more voices? Um, within the system, and I know you do, starting to to really shift this because because something that that you point out is that as as they work with with patients long term who are in the system long term, a lot of the medications are proving to be really very harmful long term. They don't they don't have they're not something that people can really successfully take long term. Um, and it can they're showing shorter life spans and things so so the question is um 
you know, how how do we move in the direction of a full understanding of mind, body, spirit? And I know that your work shows that sometimes that may involve some medication at some point for some individuals, but not lifelong medication. Mm-mm. I mean, I, you know, I think one of the things that one of the myths that we need to unpack is this whole idea of of the the chemical imbalance in the brain and the, yeah. the, the kind of broken brain. This kind of whole illness thing. You know, I'm I'm really trying not to to use the term mental illness. You know, yeah. I I don't see it as as illness. I see it as our psyche's way of calling out for help, of communicating to us. And you know what one of the, one of the things if if we do take a more holistic approach then you know then then we can start looking for other other solutions as well as or instead of medication uh you know medication certainly has its place, especially in crisis situations it c- yeah. it can be life saving yeah uh but like you say long term it's it's not uh, a particularly good option and and so we do we need we need to look for other healing modalities and and I cover you know in my book I talk about various different uh healing approaches um all sorts of different types of um psychotherapy and family constellations and and there's a new there's a new um approach that's coming over now from Finland and I know it's being introduced in in America as well as uh in in the UK and and other European countries it's called open dialogue and it's it's a way basically it's kind of it's kind of a form of family therapy, although that's probably not really doing justice to it. Uh, basically, it's it, it. What happens is that um, a meeting takes place as quickly as possible, as as soon after a person has, has been referred to services. A meeting takes place with kind of all the kind of significant people. So that may well be family members, but it might also be. Um, it might be, uh, you know, uh, somebody in the community that's important to that individual, um, a, a pastor or a teacher or somebody. And so, the, and so this meeting takes place, a dialogue, an open dialogue, which yeah. is very much a kind of, um, you know, kind of like j- just just exploring together what um, solutions uh, uh, could be helpful. So rather than the mental health professional saying, we're the experts, we'll tell you what to do, it's like, let's look at this together. And of course, very often, you know, there there is something maybe within the family network that needs healing and needs resolving to, to R.D. Lang's ideas, uh, you, you know, back way, back in the 60s and 70s, um, where he, he looked, and actually I share in my book, um, Susan, I share a little bit um about my own personal kind of work where R. D. Lang's ideas of, of of the role that the family can play uh in in mental health. And yeah. uh, you know, it, it's kind of how, how the family how my my kind of family situation contributed to, to my crisis. Um and so yeah, so open dialogue is a very exciting new therapeutic approach. And and there are you know, there there are it's, it's it's kind of it's it's not as if there aren't um there aren't therapies out there that help and work i mean i know because i've used several myself that and yeah. that, that have been phenomenal and helped me enormously yeah. uh so but you know if we're presented with medication as the only solution uh, very often it's kind of like it's just the default it's like you know that's that's the solution um then and we don't know any better then that you know that that's why it's so important to 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 help raise awareness and understanding of 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 what alternatives are available uh yeah, yeah. well and i might say that there's a rather alarming um trend within the united states at least um towards um loosening the protections of people essentially and I feel that that many will become advocates for human rights in the sense that people have a right to choose 
their approach. And and something that, that seems to be happening more and more is coercive approaches, which is the wrong direction. Um, and those tend to come out of fear, um, especially, and I think that the way to combat this is really with information and proof. You know, what, what I love about your book, Catherine, is it, rec- it, it includes all the studies, the researchers in the field, the peer-reviewed studies of what's actually going on. And, you know, we really need to remove the profit motive from the equation as well. I, I mean, I hate to be cynical about this. It comes up in the book. But there is very much a profit motive towards the, the medication approach. I mean, there's, there's a, you know, all kinds of, of um, new, very, I think I saw something in the newspaper not too long ago where, you know, some of the top-selling medications right now are in that marketplace, you know, that, that those those drugs can be very, very lucrative, and we yeah, need to separate I, that. Yeah, and I think what, you know, not everybody realizes that, um, you know, the the pharmaceutical companies are the ones doing the research um you know because research is so expensive and and they they you know they have the the resources the finances to do the research they're kind of basically they're researching uh particular drugs themselves yeah and then producing them so so it's almost like there's there's no kind of in, independent um scrutiny in in that and and actually you know it has been shown uh um, in court, you know that that the, they're not adverse to kind of uh, you know underplaying the the risks, the side effects, and overplaying the benefits uh, in some cases. And and so you know this this is this is um, what we need to be wary of. But I, I really want to mention as well something at this point because you know there's um there's a fantastic film at the moment that's being made. Uh-huh. It's called Crazy Wise. And um, some of your listeners may be familiar with it. If, if they're not, I really recommend that people go and uh, Google Crazy Wise, the, the film, the movie. And the director is a guy called Phil Borges. And, you know, and he, he made a really good point recently and, and kind of reminded me that, you know, we, we need to be careful not to polarize. We need to be really careful yeah. not to criticize and attack um, you know, those who we feel um, are maybe misguided or misinformed or like, you know, with the pharmaceutical companies kind of driven uh, by the profit motive. Because because actually um, all that does is just uh, create, um, kind of create conflict and, and yeah. Um, yeah. create a defensive reaction. And, and really we need to, we need to be working with the pharmaceutical companies uh you know and 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 certainly you know i'm i'm really interested in 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 getting um both um mental health staff and people who use the services and pharmaceutical companies together at the table so that we can have the kind of kind of conversations that open dialogue is starting to create um whereby people kind of really listening to each other hearing their pain and their hurt and their and their trauma and their anger and and you know and and using almost like um you know in the UK we have this some um, fantastic project called the forgiveness project um uh-huh. which takes it it takes it, its approach a little bit from the South African truth and reconciliation um process you know th- this is the kind of work that we need in the in the mental health field because there is so much um anger and and yeah and, and trauma from those who've been on the receiving end of services but also the staff you know the system is 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 abusing the staff as you know yeah. to some extent as well you know that that's really beautifully expressed because you know it's often said that that change comes from within and 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 you know i i will say that i felt i felt myself falling into some of that divisiveness because it's so easy to do and yet you mm. are so right that um, the only way things are going to change, you know, the way that I would look at this, like say someone's listening who maybe is, they could be a pharmaceutical representative, and the question becomes, do you have a family member or loved one who is being impacted by by something like this, and what kind of an outcome and quality of life do you want to see? 
I mean, it's mm-hmm. really about valuing the human being at the center. And I think that there is dissatisfaction across the board that we really haven't found the solutions that really work. And, you know, without being divisive, that how can they in a trial study 20 years, for example, of someone on some drug? You know, they don't study it for that long. In all forms of pharmaceutical studies, um, drugs are being changed all the time, as not just in the mental health area, but, you know, more data comes in. So so if we could humanize this instead of, because there can be an us versus them attitude in the U.S. There's a lot of fear in the U.S. because, you know, a lot of these shootings, the school shootings and things, you know, there are a lot of people saying, well, you know, we need to, to, to loosen the protections that people have. Well, that can really we need to be careful there because, um, you know, we can't respond out of fear as a society if the solutions are not robust at this time mm, for those mm, who mm. are having issues. Um, mm. It's a very complex situation. Now, of course, that's a very extreme situation, and there are people that definitely can be of, of a threat to society, and you need to be careful. But yeah, the statistics, we have to look at the human beings. Yeah, the, but Susan, the statistics actually show that people are far more likely to be harmed uh, harm to themselves than, yes. than to others when they're in crisis. Yes. And, and actually, this is, you know, there's a point that's really worth making is that, you know, when somebody is in crisis, the, you know, the, the most important thing is, is to kind of stay safe and get through the worst of the crisis. Yes. In a sense, my book is for people yes. once they've got through the worst of the crisis. And I was reflecting on this just earlier. I was thinking, you know, in some respects, this, this book, um, where somebody is currently in crisis, then I think this book could be really helpful for family members and, and for friends, for people who, who care about that person, um, and, and the health professionals as well. Um, and then it's really once the person has come through the worst of the crisis that then um, would be a good time, I think, to kind of read read my book and, and kind of work with the seven steps to, to healing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you know now would be a good time. I know, I know that um, yeah, there, there are a lot of emotions around this issue. You know, as we start to explore it, I think everyone who's had a family member or any kind of experience, it, it really does. It, it gets at the heart. That tells us that that there is a kind of a crisis here, and it's important information for us that that there's such um, you know strong feelings because we're talking about. Ultimately, what is the most loving approach to support people? And what is the best solution for society? And they are many. So, you know, now that we're we're entering the, the second part of this interview today, I think we're going to go back, and maybe we should have done this at the beginning, but it's true. What you say is we want people to be safe. So let's explore, Catherine, first, what is a mental health crisis. What what do you include within crisis? How do you know that someone's in crisis? How does someone know that they're entering crisis? Perhaps we should stop or start there and then we'll we'll go into um the healing steps and if we need to go to another show to finish this dialogue, we certainly will. But but why don't we start there? <laughs> yeah, well, you know this you know, a mental health crisis—it's it, it, such an individual. Uh, it's such a, an individual thing. Everybody experiences it completely differently, and at the same time, you know, there are certain common features. And you know, there's, for, for me, you know, in terms of when I've been in crisis, I think you know something that really kind of marks it and defines it is just the sheer intensity of it. You know, that that it's just so kind of um, overwhelming and um, all-consuming. I think that's a good way of describing it. Um, so, so, for example, uh, sleeping. Sleeping is often, uh, you know, that gets really, can be really disrupted, can be very yeah. difficult for, for days or, or weeks on end to, to sleep. Um, there can be some very extreme uh, emotions like a real roller coaster of of emotions uh it can be really difficult to cope with with just everyday basic tasks you know and that might just be like 
having a shower or or preparing a a meal you know these that that's that's kind of when you know that that you're really not coping is is when you just can't um deal with with the basics um there can be all sorts of other things you know we can we can feel a real heightened sensitivity uh to to all sorts of things you know at the physical level the energetic level you know on on every level really um we can have some quite unusual experiences uh and this this is this is what what can get a bit tricky because you know sometimes uh-huh. you know if people start trying to explain some of their experiences to mental health professionals this is where they immediately start getting labeled, you know. Yeah. Because if yeah. if you have a mental health professional that doesn't have a transpersonal perspective, that doesn't um you know, the that doesn't know that that visionary states uh you know, happen or yeah. that that yeah. precognitive, you know, that it's possible for somebody to to um you know, to, to see things in a precognitive way um like kind of knowing the future, you know, knowing what's gonna happen, you know, tomorrow sort of thing. Um you know you know, if you have mental health professionals who don't understand the transpersonal then some of some of the experiences that we have when we're in a mental health crisis can can very quickly get uh pathologized yeah. and w- w- you know one one of these is um is is very happens very often um is where somebody experiences themselves maybe as you know maybe as the kind of reincarnation of of the Buddha or they maybe feel that they're they're jesus or or mary and you know this this is something which actually you know is is a profound spiritual experience because yeah. uh, because at the time when they experience this they'll be experiencing uh you know a a quality of love that they've probably never experienced in their in their life um but uh, unfortunately you know psychiatry calls these experiences delusions of grandeur um and and just kind of dismisses them as 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 a as a symptom rather than acknowledging that, that you know something very important is happening when people have these experiences so so that's I'm I'm sort of going into starting to get in into the detail a little bit but um those are those are some of the kind of some of the kind of features some of the distinguishing features of a of a of a mental health crisis and we can call it psycho spiritual crisis we can call it mental health crisis um you know if we're really taking the transpersonal spiritual perspective we we would um call it spiritual emergency uh, spiritual emergence um you know it, in in a sense you know what i think what's really interesting with this new book of mine is that my core message hasn't changed, but because this is uh, Sheldon Press is a mainstream publisher, I've kind of changed how I'm presenting it a little bit to make it uh-huh. uh, accessible, more accessible for a, a mainstream readership. Yeah. And so, yeah. and and so, and so, the language that I'm using is is changing slightly, but um, you know, it, it's still we're still talking about uh, about you know the, the same thing. Yes, yes, and I feel it's applicable across the board and actually that's that's really very important that um you are taking that approach, Catherine, because um just as you reminded us a little bit ago that that you know divisive approaches even though these can be emotional topics don't really bring us forward. It's the same, you know, that's the reason why we need people like you, Catherine, doing exactly what you're doing because it's the only way that things will change and and you know you present your information in a very um, methodical way. I mean, you have been a PhD student. You've taught. You've done many things in your life. You you are a very experienced individual. In addition to having had this experience um, that you had, and so that's a powerful combination. Um, and your spirituality is an important aspect of getting a full understanding of what's going on, um, and I so appreciate it. I, I, there's so many things to respond to. I just want to say one thing that is out there in the spiritual domain is that um, I certainly can personally relate to that feeling of oneness that you get, and it is amazing. I mean, technically, at some level, we really are one with everyone who ever lived. In fact, that keeps coming up on this show, is that, um, you know, just to add an expansive element for those who are out there, I mean, it, it's no wonder that amazing things can occur when you feel that kind of oneness and love 
as you say. Mm, mm, mm. Um, I'm, and, I'm and glad so, you meant. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, that that's it. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that oneness, actually, because um, because I touch on that, you know, in, in the chapter where I'm kind of exploring the the kind of so-called symptoms and saying, look, this is this is what's happening, you know, this is a different perspective. This is this is how we can understand it from the from the transpersonal. Uh, you know, I, I touch on that. I touch on um, what psychiatry calls delusions of reference, and uh, you know, where somebody feels that they that they're getting messages. And, and I say, yes, you know, we do get messages. We are, because we're all interconnected, because of that oneness. Then there are times when, and, and you know, whether we see that as coming from the collective unconscious, from our higher self, from spirit, you know, wh- wh- however we understand that, um, you know, there are times when we touch into that oneness and yeah. and we can receive guidance and but but of but of course it gets very complicated because you know we also carry a lot of wounding which we project outwards so so you know so so some of these kind of um you know some of the some of the some of the guidance that we receive uh can actually get quite distorted by our own wounding and our own projections uh so it's it, it's quite a complex area I, t- I tell you somebody who explains um the the whole kind of oneness thing very well uh is a psychiatrist called uh Russell Razak he's written a book called uh breaking down is waking up and um and he you know he really he he kind of puts it um better than 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 I can manage to explain it now <laughs> live yes, but, um, yes. you know he, he yeah <laughs> but i think i've i think i've i think i've kind of got the got the essence of 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 that um yes. across maybe you know so, I'm so, I, one thing i want to step through here and if this again if this takes more than one discussion we'll we'll take the time but um I think this is important. There's something you said, and there's something I'd like to say for anyone who's had um, any kind of spiritual crisis, spiritual emergence. It can take years to come to an understanding of what the heck happened. I know, I know, I do this. And one of the areas that you talk about here is what is a sign? What is a projection? And that is something that I think we need to all study very seriously because um, it's really easy to take something as a sign um, when once you get into that, that way of being connected. And many things can be beautiful, beautiful confirmations and amazing things can happen. But how do we then distinguish between that and, as you say, the projection of wounding? And anyone who has had an emergence that became ungrounded knows that there comes a point where obviously, you know, it goes south, it it it, it skews, and you describe that so beautifully in your book how how these must certainly be projections of some kind, which is an amazing thing in itself, but it makes sense even in a quantum physics reality that that it could be possible so okay this is a very complex question but where it gets challenging and it may just be an observation is i think many of us all of us no matter what our experience those of us on the spiritual path have this journey of sorting through what is real guidance and what is a projection and this is not an easy question. You say it's complicated, and it can be even more complicated when someone's in crisis because it gets very frightening and confusing in that state. Mm-mm-mm. I think you know. I think I've kind of learned um, over the years, um, you know, to kind of um, yeah, just to just to kind of uh, recognize and 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 kind of differentiate. I mean, certainly, you know, when when I when I get guidance or or, or signs or you know what, what, whatever we want to call them, it it has a certain quality, a certain feel to it, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's it, you know it's 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 a little bit difficult to put into words, but but it, mm-hmm. it's something that I've gradually learned. Um, yes. o- over yes. time, and and you know when I think back now to um, you know to when I was in crisis um, in 2003 or in 2006, um, you know I can I can remember 
I couldn't, I couldn't remember. It's, it was almost like coming under attack from my own ego, and I was kind of yeah. projecting it outwards. Yeah. And so it appeared to come. This is where paranoia comes from, I think. You know, we, yeah. we kind of project, um, project it outwards, and and feel feel as if it's coming from outside of us, but actually it's coming from inside of us. Um, yeah. So so yeah the the other thing that I want to mention that I've that I've learned over the years and I'm still learning you know it's an ongoing process is to manage my sensitivity you know oh, and this yeah. this is a yeah. this is you know this is a new um because at, at the moment I'm in in the process of of um uh helping to set up a, a new alliance a new um mental health alliance we're calling it revisioning mental health and mm-hmm. and one of our slogans that we've come up with is that it's about managing sensitivity not symptoms and you know if if everybody who struggles with with mental health issues you know if 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 they just came to understand one thing that actually they are highly sensitive individuals then that in itself would make a huge difference you know yes. I, I read um yes. I, I read a a book a couple of years ago uh, about highly sensitive people, and it was just so affirming and and kind of validating, really, that that some of the strategies that I use to look after myself, you know, that there are other people out there doing the same thing. Yes, you know? yes. Um, yeah, so so that so I just wanted to mention that. So on the one hand, it's about you know, like you say, learning to distinguish the difference between our projections and and and, and the kind of true guidance. But it's also about learning to manage our sensitivity, you know, in yeah. a world which is really not, you know, increasingly the direction things are moving in is is more and more difficult for for highly sensitive people. Yes. Yes, and and I would offer that the more that you come into balance, um, and and one way is to to be out in nature, for example, is the the more you're able to kind of see, you know, this is off. You know, there can be, you know, your your heart really knows the the true guidance versus something that that feels just it it is hard to put into words. And and I would relate to that very much. But I will say for those listening who've had powerful transformative experiences, and and we've had multiple shows with different guests on this, it, it doesn't just all come in a day. I mean, allow, give yourself time to integrate and to learn. And I mean, it's all about growth. You know, we only have we don't have too much time left in this show and i have, this is becoming a trend i think with with many guests now who have steps i'm i'm beginning to find this is that we spend the first show really exploring the issue and what is it we're addressing and then towards the end we preview what are these steps to to healing and so what i would like you to do Catherine, now you won't have time most likely to go into great detail on every one but could you preview for those listening the steps that are in your book to healing, because they're really fairly simple on the surface to at least begin to get a grasp of how people can heal. And you already touched on the sensitivity area, but go ahead and and step through them um, in a summary way, if you could. Sure, sure, sure. And and I just before I do that, it's just worth mentioning that you know that these, on the one hand, like like you say, Susan, they're they're quite simple. You know, they're quite straightforward. They're very kind of practical and achievable and, and doable. Yeah. And yet, at the same time, you know, if we really work with these seven steps, then then they are radical. They are life transforming. Yes. <laughs> yes. So so that's, that's it. That's just worth bearing in mind. <laughs> yes. So yes. Here, they're here not, goes. They're powerful and approachable. That's a that yeah. that is absolutely yeah. true. So the first step, uh, and this is kind of really the cornerstone, the foundation step, is taking responsibility taking responsibility for our healing and you know that's that doesn't mean that doesn't mean uh that we have to do it alone by any means because the next step is reaching out reaching out for support yeah uh the third step is finding the right healthcare professional or professionals the fourth step is focusing on success stories 
and you touched on that, Susan. I think you know when we were saying yes. um, about how you know we don't go back, we don't go back and tell the the mental health professional, the psychiatrist, how we've turned our lives around, so they never get yes. to see the success stories. Uh, yes. The fifth step is doing away with the toxic, and that can be on so many different levels. Uh, that was that was the fifth step. The sixth step yes. is making life changes. So this is putting in place that which is going to nurture and nourish us. And then finally, the seventh step is seeing seeing crisis as a gift. Uh, you know, this is about uh, crisis being a blessing in disguise. If we can, if we can change our perspective and, and see it as that, and and you know, these steps are not linear. It's not like we move, you know, through each one in in a linear. They can kind of overlap and move in and out and come in a different order altogether. Um, but that's just, you know, it's it's just a way of of presenting them, uh, really. So yeah. that's um, that's just very briefly in a, in a in a, in a, yeah, very briefly. Actually, you did that beautifully, and and it's really tempting to start stepping through them. Although I know that that before we know it, um, you know, we're within three minutes of there only being five minutes left in the show, and and so <laughs> so as much, and that's what I pay attention to, and and so as much as I I tend to want to start stepping through them, I I think that that what I'd like to do, Catherine, um, if you are open to the idea, is Mm -hmm. to um, invite you back um, for another show sometime fairly soon so that that we can really explore the stuff, Um, you know, um, just explore each one and what's involved in every step. And I would really think that that would be very helpful for people, but I also would like to invite people to get your book, <laughs> which actually explores the steps beautifully, um, which is coping with a mental health crisis is is the name of the book, and um, you know this can be a wonderful gift for people who maybe have a family member who, you know, you know, Catherine, you said something so important. You know, there there are two parts to this. Keeping people safe is really important. Um, when someone's in crisis, and doing that in a way that that is the safest way available, um, and and that's a whole area in itself as to how society can improve in those areas, I'm sure. But but mm. then you know the long the long term, you know how do we support this human being? How as human beings do we go on to lead productive? lives no matter how a crisis comes about Um, because many people will be in crisis during their lives in one way or another and Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know here's a question for you some have said that as the world wakes up more and more people will be in crisis is kind of a spiritual Mm. view of it but that this awakening process is coming upon many people and so Catherine yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just I was just going to say, you know, I I actually end the book on that note, Susan, where I say, you know, yeah. 450 million people worldwide according to the World Health Organization, 450 million people struggle uh with mental health issues. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, I see somebody who is struggling with mental health issues, I see as somebody who is waking up who has the potential to kind of really move to the next level of consciousness. So that is 450 million people who are are waking up, potentially. And when that number of people wake up, then that's when you can really, um, you know, when we really reach a tipping point where we can shift, you know, the whole uh, globe onto another level of consciousness because we really need to shift um, to a whole different level of, of way of, um, being in in the world to move, you know, to be able to move beyond the the crisis that we've created uh, yeah. on on so many different levels. And I'm not just talking mental health now. I'm talking, you know, in in every sector uh, and especially in the environment. It's, um, it's so, so, so yeah, and and more and more people are having these experiences, and and a lot of young people are having these experiences. Uh, so you know that that's why it's really important. 
uh, I think, to, to get this information out to as, as many people as we possibly can. Oh, absolutely. And something that I feel is so important, I am hopeful that there are those listening who may be considering, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Perhaps a young person who's just considering entering um, the field of working in mental health. And if we can inspire people to truly um, change um, and shift what's happening so that, you know, we finally um, can approach these things in an awakened, um, life-affirming way, um, you know, that to me, if we can encourage more people to go into the field who are ready to do the studies which are are groundbreaking and shift the way, you know, look to the past, the studies that are available, and mm-hmm. and shift the way. I encourage people going into the field to get Catherine's book because she does <laughs> a beautiful job exploring the past and what has been studied already. And, mm. you know, and so I just want to put that out there because I know that's how change happens is we inspire people, you know, in so many different ways, inspiring people to solve climate change, inspiring people to, to, to do, you know, any number of things in the world to transform it. Um, that's mm, what it's mm. going to take. And, and the change is happening already. This is what's so exciting, Susan. You know, I feel more hopeful now about, you know, creating the change we really want to see than I think I ever have done because there is change happening now. And, you know, the Crazy Wise film that's, that's going to be coming out um, is, is a game changer. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, we're building this new alliance, Revisioning Mental Health Alliance. There's, there's a conference coming up in Rotterdam in December, which is... Um, you know, really bringing the mainstream and the transpersonal, the spiritual together. That's a very exciting conference. And um, even if, you know, even if your listeners aren't, aren't in Europe, then I'm, I'm pretty sure the presentations will be um, rec- filmed. So, so that will probably be available on, on the website. And that's actually, that's actually called Crazy Wise. The conference yeah. in Rotterdam in December is called Crazy Wise. It's, they've borrowed the name from the film. So, so there are yeah, there are lots of really, really exciting developments happening, and um, and yeah, and if people want to get involved, there are lots of ways of doing that. Um, you know, in, in terms of certainly the Mad in America website is worth checking out. Um, you know, at the moment we haven't got the Revisioning Mental Health Alliance website up yet, uh, but you know that will be coming. The crazy wise, you can join the crazy. You can join the Crazy Wise Facebook pay group, you know, uh-huh. that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And there's also well, Shades of Awakening, which is another uh-huh. online community. Wonderful. So I'm glad you're giving the resources. And what is your website for those listening in audio only? Can you can you spell it yeah. out for people, Catherine? Sure, sure. So it, it's CatherineGLucas.com. But if you put a hyphen, so it's kind of Catherine-G-Lucas.com. It comes up more quickly that way. Okay. Oh, okay. So yeah. it works either way. That's great. It should well, do. Yeah, it should do. We're we're quickly coming to the end of the live show. I'm I'm thankful for for Blog Talk Radio for for featuring us on their front page today. Um, I am so thankful, and I know that that um, I hope that those listening really feel inspired to change and and I do invite you back Catherine to to have a more um another conversation at some point to talk about those steps but thank you so much Catherine for being here and for all that you're doing it's so powerful what you're doing in the world and I am so thankful for you Thank you, Susan. Thank you, and uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a real pleasure, and I'd be delighted to cut, to come back and and go through those seven steps. Well, I would love to have you back. So so look for that on the schedule, those of you listening. So so thanks again, and have a wonderful evening where you are in the UK. Thank you. Yeah, Take it's care. nine o'clock. At, it's nine Thank o'clock you. at night now. Yes. Yes. Take care then. Thank you. And you. Thanks, Susan. All right. Bye bye. All right, real quick before the live show goes down, um, FrontierBeyondFear.com is the place, of course, to find out about upcoming episodes. 
Um, I don't have any more guests this week, but I might do a spontaneous show on gratitude because I'm feeling very thankful. Um, I encourage you to find ways. Actually, just look in your life for what you're thankful for. It's not hard once you once you realize. In fact, it's overwhelming. Um, so, but what I do have coming up is next Monday. Let's see, the 30th of November. Robert Louis Weber is coming on to talk about his book, The Spirituality of Eight. Then we've got a couple shows that week. Paul Boudreau, Awakening Higher Consciousness, that's on Wednesday, um, the 2nd of December, already getting into December. And then Stephen A. Schwartz is coming on to talk about the Eight Laws of Change on Thursday, December 3rd. I have some wonderful shows coming up. Go to FrontierBeyondFear.com, some amazing guests as we end the, the year um, and launch the new year as well, um, just really getting the researchers on now, which is exactly what I intend to do with the show, um, just some wonderful alternative researchers who've done some great work. And when I say alternative, many of them do have formal degrees. You can be alternative within the mainstream. Being alternative means being expansive. It means really being a true researcher um, where you are not within the box, that you look to shift paradigms because you're really studying what is reality. And the history of research has been paradigm shifts. And that's what I see that's happening with Catherine Lucas's work and the work of so many researchers where she's surfacing things that truly will shift this paradigm in a wonderful new way. Someday we'll look back on the more limiting approaches to this problem and realize, my gosh, you know, we were really stuck, <laughs> almost like being stuck in Newtonian physics. Um, and and we'll realize that there is such a more expansive way. And this is true of every problem in the world, every crisis. They don't need to be crises when we truly believe that we're awakening, when we truly know that we are awakening as a species and that we can find the solutions and go beyond even solutions, where we go beyond even the problems and we just shift our approach. And as Catherine said so beautifully at some point during our discussion, at the center of this really is love. Um, it really is, you know, a holistic approach, which is a loving approach, which is the most productive approach that we could possibly take to anything we face as a society. It has to do with forgiveness. It has to do with dialogue. It has to do with understanding. And that's what it all has to do with. And And when you really connect to the hearts that are impacted when you think about those that you love who have had a crisis and how you want to support these people in the most holistic way possible, that's when it gets personal. That's when the love is paramount. And that's the heart space. And that's where we need to be. So thank you, everyone, for being here today. Again, FrontierBeyondFear.com is the place to go for the archived ep episodes and upcoming episodes. I hope to have a page up soon for Catherine Lucas so that all of her shows are there. And also look for a future show with Catherine. We will get that on the schedule soon. So take care, everyone.